If you are in the treehouse, that is kindergarten through fifth grade, kindergarten through fifth grade, you can quietly line up in the back with Miss Carmen. You got a couple coming your way. Kindergarten through fifth grade, you're welcome to go that way. You don't have to, but is an option for you. Well, welcome. My name is Trace. I'm one of the pastors here at Pillar Church of Oceanside, and praise God, He is faithful. Amen? He really is. And we are glad that you're here with us, worshiping in spirit and in truth. And in this series that we've been walking through, Generous, setting a tone or setting an others-focused path for the new year. It's kind of what we've been looking at, other ways that we can be generous in our community. Um, Looking around the room, I see that Adam and Delmi finally came to the senses. They moved back to California. <clears throat> nope, they did not move back to California. They're only here for a wedding. Um, and to see us, of course. It was good to see them as well. Um, also looking and, and scanning the crowd, I see some sort of offensive attire kind of in this area over here. <clears throat> <laughs> and I realized, yes, it is playoff weekend and that some of you don't care, but I realize other of you are looking at the clock realizing that there's a playoff game that starts in a little over two hours from now, so my sermon won't be quite two hours, but close, mainly for Brian's sake. As he said he's recording the game, doesn't want to hear anything about the scores, so um, it's all good. So what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about being generous in community while serving the community. So last week we talked about prayer and how being generous seems kind of a, a weird fit in prayer, but generous in our time, generous in the, in the energy and effort that we put toward prayer, setting aside those times. Um, I'm just asking just kind of a general acknowledgement. When we talked about prayer last week, I put a sort of a challenge out there to grow in your prayer life this week, even if it meant just three times this week for 10 minutes. Um, what's sort of the consensus just by kind of a nod of a head or a nod of that? And how, how's the prayer growth going? Yeah. Okay, so most of you are shaking your heads. Some of you are just looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, that's okay. So I'd encourage you just to go back and listen to last week's message, and maybe you'll kind of get caught up to, to what we're talking about here. But uh, yeah, and here's the thing with that, that issue of a challenge was not, and maybe I should have clarified, wasn't just for this past week. I should have clarified. It's, it's for the entire rest of your life. <clears throat> but we'll just say 2020 for now, because, you know, we want to be uh, focused on specific things in this new year, and one of them is prayer. And so we have been in our 20 days of prayer. Hopefully you've been joining with us in those things. If you haven't been, there is a, a, a copy of that sheet on the back table. It's also on all of our social media and our band app. We really want to rally around prayer, and we're giving specific things each day to be in prayer for. So now we turn the corner, and we're looking at part two and community. Now, Every human being on this planet, regardless of personality type, if you're super extroverted or you're super introverted or anything in between, every person on the planet needs community. That's just 
a fact. We need community for the sake of ourselves and for the sake of other people. You see, we're actually contributors to the community and we're consumers. So we're both. And I think part of the challenge is that we don't recognize that we're both. And sometimes in churches, there's a whole lot of consumerism, like just show up, consume, and then, and then go. I think this church has been marked since we started by a whole lot of contributing through just a lot of generous service and and giving and loving um, and also being a part of the community. So uh, I just want to make sure that we have a biblical foundation of how and why we're living the community that God is calling us to. Because believe it or not, as much as we would want to understand, God did not intend for us to live in isolation. It just did not. That's why when you see like the, court of the recluse or that hermit that's kind of out in the woods living by himself, he's weird. I mean, unless he's Mike, but well, he's still weird, right? That's different. Like why we have housing projects all around the, the world. Like we are designed to be in community, actually to crave it and to thrive in it. And maybe you're asking your question, the question, why? Why did God create us like this? And I'm glad that you asked that question because that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to talk so much about the significance of being in community, but I think we're going to build a case around the why, just like we did last week on prayer. Why did God design it this way, and why do we need to have that influence what we're doing? So I'm going to pray, ask for the Lord's help, and we're going to get rolling. So pray with me. Lord, we come to you right now. That beautiful name, that wonderful name, that powerful name, Jesus. We are humbled to be in your presence, Lord. We know that your word says that wherever two or three are gathered, that you're there with us. And we're, we're grateful. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want you to be at work in us as we hear the words from your scriptures, as we hear the truths unpacked, Lord God, help them to fall into hearts and minds and spirits that are open and willing to receive the truth of the gospel and the word that gives us life. Lord, would you help to set aside all the distractions of this world, all the things that are running through our minds that we've got to go and do this next and this is coming up this week. Lord, would you just help us to to set that aside and be really focused on what you have for us. Lord, you brought us here for a reason this morning. We're not just checking spiritual boxes, Lord. We want something from you this morning. We want the truth, Lord, something that is going to help us to mature and understand your goodness and and wonderful, awesome name a little bit better. So help us in that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So questions this morning, if you have any, you can text them to that number on the screen, and we will come up at the end and do a little Q&A, and that's just a way for you to interact with us. So... Something right off the bat that we need to understand is that true Christian community is actually found in the pursuit of Jesus. Let me say that again. True Christian community is found in a real pursuit of going after, following, purposefully going into relationship with Jesus. It's actually a byproduct of the gospel of Jesus and the love that he has for us. And so... That mind shift, I think, might help some of us. Um, the priority is not community. The priority is always Jesus. 
So if you think, well, I just have to be with people and then I'm good. Yes, but you're missing a big part of the why. Jesus is the priority. Community is a byproduct. I mean, let's be honest. There are plenty of opportunities to experience community in the world around us, right? Endless clubs, like you could go be a, a member of any kind of club that has a, a similar interest. You want to go fly kites? Go fly kites. You want to go hike? You want to sew? You want to run? You know, you want to be a Green Bay Packer fan club? You know, see Brent after this? <clears throat> Whatever. It is there. You can experience community. Opportunities to be engaged with a people for a common goal. But the difference is this. It's the why factor. Why are you meeting? Because once you meet together and you sew a blanket, you're done. And you move on to the next thing, right? It's, it's to accomplish something in a special interest together, and then you're, you're off, and you're going about your life. So we have to be careful not to look beyond Jesus for the community that we desire, because we all do desire community, even those of us that say that we don't. I would strongly argue from the Bible that you are lying to yourself about not wanting to be around people. And maybe I'll make a case for that, maybe I won't. But here's the thing. If we're not careful to distinguish the source of community, being Jesus, then our involvement can easily move us away from meaningful involvement in that community. In other words, if we really don't know why we're meeting together here on Sunday mornings or more specifically in a life group midweek, we run the very high risk of not doing those things at all. We want to be in relationship with one another because we begin to recognize that it's God's design for his people. And here's, if I was going to give you one opening nugget to kind of sit on. It also positions us, knowing the source of our community, to have an attitude of obedience rather than obligation. Because a lot of us feel obligated to show up on a Sunday morning sometimes. Sometimes we feel obligated to be in community during the week. We feel obligated to serve. I've been there. <laughs> I, I get it. <clears throat> but the moment we begin to see that Christ is the foundation for all of this, and he has a purpose in it, we move from obligation to obedience, and we move from obedience to actually joyful community with his people. It's a beautiful thing. So seeking Jesus first in all things is, finds a tangible expression in community, and it's awesome, because when you experience godly community, it is undeniable, and it's powerful, and it's transformational. Has anybody experienced this kind of thing that I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so my goal is to build a really strong case from the Bible about why we are to be in community and why we're to serve that community. And the reason I'm going to build a very powerful case, hopefully, from the Bible is because I'm going to end with something that may um, not be enjoyable for some of you. <clears throat> I do want to be very clear. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into community or guilt anybody into serving. I just want to communicate to you the source of all of this being Jesus and why it's so important for us as we understand a little bit more 
what God is after here. So, Christ the foundation. So I recently read this article, and this is what it said. Relationships are deeper and richer when our ultimate confidence is in Christ and not one another. When you live as if other people can meet all your needs, you will be regularly disappointed. Amen. You're asking them to do something that no person can ever do. Give you happiness you so desperately want. But when Christ is your confidence, someone is freed to be your friend, not the God you rely on to meet all your needs. How many of you can relate to maybe relying too much on a person or a community and being disappointed? Right? <laughs> a lot, probably, because we're relying on them for things that they were never designed to give us. That God has designed, actually, his community to be the source of. So here's the thing, though. When you're doing life with other flawed human beings, and yes, we are all flawed, and when it gets tough, and yes, it will get tough, the reason you're involved in that particular community will determine your consistency and willingness to push through the difficulties. The reason you're showing up will actually determine whether you go back, whether you push through. So trying to check that spiritual box, as I prayed earlier, is not going to keep you in that group. Even trying to learn more about Jesus will not keep you in that group. Knowing somebody, being very close to another member of that group, it may keep you there for a, a moment until things get difficult or something more attractive comes along. But all of these things are not the reasons, ultimately, why we're in community. A Christian community that is reliable is reliable because it's centered and grounded in Jesus the one who alone is completely reliable. Right? If I was going to title the message, that's what I would call it today, Reliable Community, because that's what we need and that's what we need to be a part of. So if what I'm saying is true, then this type of community isn't optional for Christians. It is essential. It's essential. We need it, which is why we really need to understand that Jesus is the foundation, and it's truly found in an honest pursuit of Him. So as you and I actually grow and mature in Christ, our natural response will be to, to seek out community, to seek out these opportunities to even serve that community. And so what I want to do here is offer you five reasons Five reasons why we need to be in consistent community and why we need to generously serve that community. All right? So can you stay with me for five things? Can you stay with me for four things? Three, two, one. Okay, okay. All right. Just making sure you're still there. Number one, it's God's design. Why do we need to be in community? It's God's Hey, Thanks, Lee. I appreciate that. Again, like I said earlier, your personality, I mean, some of you are like, oh, I'm just really introverted. I don't like people. I don't like being around them. And that may be true. I get it. But that is not a reason to avoid community. If anything, it's a reason to push in and be around other people because it stretches you and grows you. We are created 
in the image and likeness of God, are we not? Yes, and God exists in the Trinity, right? So in his very nature is what? Community. Like the existence of God himself is community. And we are created in his image and likeness. Uh, One of the very first things that God says after created Adam in in Genesis 2. Let me throw that up. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him. So from ground zero, with humanity, there's this person all by himself, and God says, it's not good. One, because man left to his own devices will just, yeah, make a mess of things. Needs a a partner in this thing. But the idea is that being alone is not okay. Not at all what God had in mind. Of course, then sin enters in the world, right? The next chapter, you flip over to Genesis 3 and you see, okay, great. Sin has entered the world, and now we have an immediate obstacle to community. And you know what that is? Ourselves, (laughs) right? The moment sin enters in, we become an obstacle community because we want what's best. We want what's most convenient for us. We want what's easy for us. And the reality is, godly community is not always those things. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient. And so we become an enemy, actually, an obstacle. Not an enemy, an obstacle, we'll call it, to real community. However, it is what God had in mind for his creation. It's actually a beautiful picture of the gospel, right? Because here is sin entering into the world, and now we're all kind of living for ourselves, and we have this center me at the center of focus rather than others. And then God creates this opportunity, right, for us to put our faith in Christ, for us to be reconciled back into the family of God or into the family of God. And suddenly things begin to shift. We begin to see other people um, as a resource. And as we desire to grow in Christ, we desire actually to, to be in that community, as I said earlier. So it is. It's a really beautiful picture of the gospel. We're saved from something, right? What are we saved from? Just in general. Sin, right? We're saved from something, but we're also saved to something, right? Don't don't just go, okay, I'm saved from this. I'm good now. My place in heaven is established. We are, but we're also saved to something, Godly community, right? We're, we're, we're baptized into the community of believers, right? So that's something we need to keep in mind, too, by God's design. And one of those things that we're saved into is this right here. So look at First uh, Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But those first couple of things, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, those things all sound very togethery to me, right? We belong in community by God's design. That's number one. Number two, why do we need to be in consistent community? I don't know. Why do we? Because we need to follow the example that's been given to us. So we look, in this particular case, to the New Testament. So let me ask you questions. Pretty easy question, but I want to just 
ask to make sure we're all on the same page. Did Jesus live in isolation out in the middle of nowhere so he did not have to interact with people? No. Brandon, he did not. <clears throat> I saw him going like this. Yeah, sorry to call you out. <clears throat> he didn't. Okay, I promise you, he did not. He was actually in, in near constant community, not just with his 12 chosen disciples, right? But in the, the broader context of the disciples, the followers of him, he was always in people's homes. He was in the public square. He was around people. In fact, he did his teaching in the context of community. He allowed people to watch him live a sin-free life in the context of community. Jesus was constantly around people. What about the Apostle Paul? Was he around people all the time? Sure, yep. In fact, the way that he speaks about the people that he's around in some of his letters, it really speaks volumes. It's, it's pretty, pretty telling of the kind of depth that they had in relationship. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2. 7 and 8. This is Paul talking about the church of Thessalonica. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. I mean, this language is not just casual interactions on a weekly basis, right? You don't get to this kind of closeness by just infrequent interactions, right? There is an intensity, in fact, in these kinds of statements that is a little bit off-putting to some people, even a little scary, like, I don't want that kind of relationship with people, like, stay out of my business, at least be at arm's length, right? Some of you are, are saying that. However, the bottom line is that we need to follow the example set for us by Jesus and Paul in pursuing community. All right, number three. We're moving quickly. I told you we're going to get through this. Accountability. Why do we need to be in community? Because there is accountability going on. So we all know that our hearts are prone to wander, right? We are we're a mess. Like, can we just be real for a minute? The real us, the inside us, not the, the Facebook, Instagram, false version of ourselves. I'm talking about you alone with your thoughts in your bed laying there. That version of you, right, that is still very much living for themselves is a mess. So the Christian walk in isolation is almost a certain disaster. Almost a certain disaster. Living in isolation as a community. But the more that we know the truth about our own hearts and our sinful tendencies, the more we should actually be willing to put in some things, some defenses, if we'll call them that, against those kinds of things, right? We all just kind of head nodded that we know we're, we're prone to wander, and maybe that was just you guys appeasing me, but I, we really need to understand that we are yeah, we're broken, man. We're messed up. We're saved. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. Yes and amen to all that. But we're a work in progress. And that work part is, um, yeah, it's, it's a disaster. It's a mess. It's a hot mess. Right? 
I know you don't want to hear that. That's okay. I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm a mess. You're a mess. So one of the most beneficial things, actually, that I've come across is transparent community. Being around people who know that I know that I'm a mess. Hebrews actually has some things to say about this. Look at, look at Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us, the church, us, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, that's awesome. How many of us are considering how to stir up one another to love and good deeds? I mean, regularly being engaged in that. Hopefully you are, but, but why? Why are we stirring up one another toward these things? Why are we so concerned with other people? Look at Hebrews 3, 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, there is a, there's a reason why we're involved intimately in people's lives, in one another's lives. There's a reason why we're stirring up one another to love and good works, because if not, our tendency is to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And if you're in isolation, living off by yourself and calling yourself a Christian, who is there to stir you up? Who is there to spur you on? Who is there to lift you back out of that hole that you're in? And the answer is no one. That word exhort. Another word for that is plead. Are you pleading with the people in your life group, pleading with them that they would not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin? Are you pleading with them that they would confess to you the things that they're struggling with, that you might partner with them in accomplishing whatever it is that you have set out to accomplish? I don't know. But he tells us that we're supposed to do that once a month, right? Once a week, maybe. What's that? Oh. Every day, as long as it's called today. Is every day that you're living in currently called today? Is tomorrow when you're there going to be today? Okay, there's no loopholes here, all right? I know some of you are like, well, did he really mean today? I mean, what about tomorrow? No. Every day, exhorting one another. Because we need it. We need it, my friends. So every day, make a difference in a believer's life by seeking to know them and hold them accountable for their actions. So I think we're getting somewhere here because there might be some of you getting a little bit uncomfortable with that idea. And that's how you know that's exactly what needs to be said. Right? Because it's hard to, to be known. People are going to know my junk. Yeah. I'm supposed to tell them when I messed up. Does the Bible tell us that we're supposed to confess to other people? Does anybody think it doesn't say that? That's a, yeah, okay. Well, don't take my word for it. Let's look at James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's the first part of verse 16, James 5, 16. Why on earth would I want to confess my sin to somebody else? Accountability. I mean, if we're going to, that's the, the subject that we're on right now. But here's something else. Saying it out loud actually brings a reality to what it is that you're suffering through. Whatever it is, it becomes a little bit more real when somebody else knows about it. When you say it out loud, 
Yeah, it, it, it's harder to discount it in your mind or downplay it. And it's, like, it's not that bad. Right? We have a tendency to do that. But when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, man, I really do that. That's, uh, that's not good. I shouldn't do that. But it also creates the opportunity for other people to help you to bear that burden. It's not for you to feel bad about what you're doing or like for the sense of guilt like, oh, i got to say this out loud to somebody. Uh, woe is me. No, it's for accountability, but it's also so that somebody else can help you to bear that burden. Right? That's what community looks like. It's not for them to go, oh, you, you're such a sinner. I knew that was what going on, but you just needed to say it out loud. Like, I hope nobody's going to have that kind of response in here. You know, and I think that's most people's fear, is that if I'm actually this transparent and I say these kinds of things, then they're going to judge me. And can I guarantee you that that's not the case? I can't guarantee you that. But I can tell you this is what God's design is for community. And if you're living in fear of what other people will do, then you're wrong too. Right? Some of this means having to put faith in the people that God has put around you. And let me just expand on this a little bit more. This doesn't mean that you show up on Friday night, life group, to the Millers <clears throat> with a list of everything you did wrong this week, and you're like, okay, so on Monday, I yelled at my wife. On Tuesday, I cut somebody off and gave them the bird. You know, and then on Wednesday, that's not what I'm talking about here. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> what it looks like is having one or two people within that community that you're comfortable with enough to go, hey, man, would you pray for me? Because I am really struggling with lust. There's this girl at work, and she's really attractive, and I can't stop looking at her. Would you please agree with me that I would stop doing that? I need your help. That's what it looks like. It's that simple. And then you have somebody praying with you. You have somebody to hold you accountable. Okay, so that's just kind of a practical way. Um, guess what, though? None of this happens without Jesus being the anchor, the source, the reason we enter into community in the first place. Then you get all the sideways looks and the judgment and all those kinds of things. But that's not what we seek to build here. I don't think that's what we've been cultivating over the last five years. I think we have a genuine community where people love Jesus and want to see people grow in their faith. I really believe that. So as we are pursuing him for ourselves, we find ourselves surrounded by others that are trying to do the same thing. So unify in community and be accountable to someone. That's number three. Number four, there's real growth. When you're in community, there is real growth. So God's design is for us to help each other mature in Christ. Now, the community has to be specific enough and small enough for everybody to have meaningful involvement. All right, this is why we push so hard for life groups. Sunday mornings are great. I love seeing you. We enjoy, hopefully, sitting under the teaching of the Word and singing together. It's necessary. But it is not going to produce the kind of community that we're talking about here. It has to be small enough to where everybody is involved in order for it to reach its, its potential. There's no bystanders in this kind of community, which is why some people try to avoid it, I think. It has some similarity to prayer like we talked about last week. When you begin to unlock and unleash what prayer is truly meant for, 
you are met with immediate opposition from the enemy because you're dangerous, right? You're, you're doing some things that he does not like. Same thing is true with community. The moment you grab a hold of how significant community is and you start living it out, the enemy doesn't like that. And so there's a stiff arm to be like, oh, that person, I can't believe they said that. I'm going to go try a different group. And you have all these different reasons of why you want to be in some other community or not in a community at all. Because he knows that's where real growth takes place. And he doesn't want you to grow. He wants you to stay right where you are. In fact, he'd love it if you would just regress. Right? And when you're by yourself, that's exactly what you will do. Now let me ask you this. Can you grow outside of community? Sure. Intellectually, you can grow by yourself. But you will not grow as a Christian by yourself. You won't. You will gain knowledge. You'll have a, maybe some scripture memorized. Maybe you'll even put some of that into practice. And you'll see some progression, you know, in your Christian faith. But meaningful, real Tangible growth happens in that tight-knit community. That's the purpose of the 50-plus one another statements in the New Testament. Right? We grow in community, and we rarely grow outside of it. So number four, real growth. That's the reason, in this case, we want to be in community. And lastly, number five. <clears throat> using your gifts. This is actually a result of living in the community that I've been describing so far. As you experience biblical Christian community, the next step in that is wanting to serve that community and be of use to that community, not just in the ways that we've talked about so far, but using the gifts that God has given you. So each one in this room, every single person in this room has unique gifts that the Holy Spirit has imparted to you. Yes? Did you know that? Yeah, that, that's by God's design, again, a unique gifting. Now, some of us are, you know, gifted at public speaking. Some of us are gifted at playing music. Some of us are gifted at hospitality and, and, and prayer and all these kinds of things. These gifts are useful outside of the church. Maybe you have the gift of administration and you are just the rock star at work because everything, you got this calendar and the spreadsheet and all these things. And that's good. God intends for us to use the spiritual gifts to help us outside of the church. But what is the true intention of the spiritual gifts that he's given us? For use where? In the kingdom, in his church. Absolutely. 100%. So we play a role in community by simply filling a need by being of use to the body of Christ as he's gifted you to serve. So serving in context of the local church, as Paul describes it, is what we're, what we're striving for. Look at Romans 12, 4. This is what we're looking for here. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. All of us have different unique giftings. So what does that mean if I'm using my gift and you're not using yours? 
What's that? It's harder on the people that are using their gifts. Yes, it's a, it's a strain, right? Because there's a gap. He says, we don't all have the same gifts. So if somebody with that gift of hospitality is supposed to be serving and meeting that need, and somebody else who is maybe not gifted in hospitality is running that table out front, and they're just like mean mugging everybody that comes in. It's like, what is that guy doing there? Well, that's the guy that showed up, right? He's the only one that wanted to do it. Now, there's nobody, thankfully, on the team that's like that, right? Praise God. And, and hear me say this. There is a lot of serving going on in this church. A lot of serving going on in this church. So this in no way is, is a, meant to be a guilt trip. I hope you understand that. But we really do need to understand why we're serving, because that will help us to continue serving faithfully and not have those narratives going on in my mind like, I'm the only one that serves in this church, and I can't believe so-and-so is this, and they don't want to serve. You do your part. <laughs> you use your gifts. You love on people. You facilitate and foster community, and watch what God does in the rest of those people around us. So are you maximizing the gifts that God has given you to serve the church? That's a question only you can answer. Are you being generous in how you serve? Not just in the frequency, but in your attitude, in your consistency, in your joyfulness, in your graciousness and love as you serve. Are you being generous in those ways? Because it's one thing to serve out of obligation and to show up and check a box. It's a completely different thing to enjoy the experience and to invite others into that. So as we embrace living in this kind of biblical community, man, the desire to serve sacrificially will increase. It, it will increase. In fact, how you view community will have a direct impact in how you serve it. Your understanding of community will absolutely impact how you serve it. If it's just something for you to experience on a Sunday morning and then go about your daily life, then probably there's no desire to serve. Right? There's nothing in it for you. Maybe you have just a, a different view of community that goes beyond what the Bible offers for us in community. Our goal is this, to be generous in serving others in the church and generous in serving others in community. They're two sides of the same coin. So here's the call to action. Remember I told you way back in the beginning, I'm going to lay out this biblical foundation. Hopefully it's a strong foundation because at the end, I'm going to do something that maybe you're not thrilled about. <clears throat> and it's just, it's simple. It's a call to action. Our spiritual growth, both personally and collectively, and our spiritual well-being is, I wouldn't say it's on the line, but it's certainly what we're talking about here. Our spiritual growth and our spiritual well-being are being exposed here as you prayerfully consider how you are living in Christian community and how you're serving the community. Now look, you know us and, and the people that are up here. We don't do this very often, but we're, off, we're asking you, I'm asking you to make a commitment based on everything that we talked about today. So guess what's starting up this week? Life groups. Life groups are starting up this week. Now, 
when we put the break from life groups like two months ago, we didn't even know what we were preaching on in January. No idea. And even when we did, we didn't know that this was going to actually line up with that. So I, I feel strongly this is from the Lord. It just so happens that, just so happens that life groups are starting up again this week. So what's the call to action? Join one. Ask yourself the question, why aren't you in a life group? That is a serious question that you need to answer, especially if, especially if you're a member of this church. I realize not everybody in the room is a member of the church, and these groups are not limited to members. However, if you are a member, you've committed to be in community with us, and we've committed to be with community in you. Now, are we busy? You bet. Are our calendars full? Absolutely. So what is it going to take to be in meaningful community for you in 2020? Probably some sacrifice. If you're not regularly in community or this is something new to you, or you're like, eh, if it's convenient, I'll show up. What does an honest commitment to being in community look like for you? What about serving? I'll tell you right now, in this church that is, you know, you're looking at it, 70 people maybe, there's always a need in every ministry to serve. So just an evaluation, how am I serving? And for many of you, you are very committed to a life group. You are serving servant-heartedly. I just want to encourage you and acknowledge maybe putting a different spin on why you're doing what you're doing and just aligning that up with the Bible. You know, to kind of help you continue in those patterns. But there are also some in the room that aren't. That aren't meaningfully serving. That aren't involved in community at a life group level. And I would just ask you to prayerfully consider, why? Why is that? And hear me this. Don't do any of this for the wrong reason. Don't volunteer to serve. Don't show up to a life group just to check a box. I, I, don't do that. But do pray. Honestly and earnestly, go before the Lord and ask Him what you're supposed to be doing. I'd ask you also, as you're praying to that, to go over your notes from today. Maybe go back and listen to the message in order to orient your actions around the pursuit of Jesus. If I can draw it all back to the, the reason why we're doing these things is that we are pursuing Jesus. We want to know Him and make Him known. We want to grow in our reliance and our dependence on Him. And as we do those things, community and serving are a natural extension of that. So let me close with this scripture, and then we'll pray. 1 Peter 4. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything 
God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God being glorified through our community and through our service is the ultimate end game here. We want to lift up his name by the way which we are engaged with one another. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for everything, Lord God. The example that you've given us in your scriptures, the clear path that you've given us for community. Lord, it is your design that we would be with each other to grow, to spur one another on, to stir up one another to love and good works, to confess our sins to each other, to be hospitable, to outdo one another in kindness, and to love with the love of Christ that covers a multitude of sin. Lord, there is nothing that we cannot do for your kingdom and for your namesake and for your glory if we unite with one another in community with you as the center and the reason for all that we're doing. Lord, you have a plan for Pillar Church of Oceanside, and that plan includes people doing the things that we've talked about this morning. I pray you'd move in the hearts of every person here to make a step in the direction of meaningful involvement in community. And I recognize for some that may just be trying with all that they have to show up at a life group in spite of crazy busy schedules and life that gets in the way sometimes. Lord, perfection is not the goal here. Obedience is the goal. So if there's a call in our lives to do these things, Lord, help us to do them consistently and faithfully with the right motivation and reason for doing them. God, you've equipped us for every good work, but it takes all those gifts together collectively to do the work of the ministry here in Pillar Church of Oceanside. I am grateful for this body of Christ. Lord, I am convinced that you are very much at work and that these things are just a reminder to so many here today that daily seek to stir up one another, that daily pursue you, that are meaningfully involved and serving. Lord, I am, I am, I am blessed to watch and see this community live out your gospel. Lord, we just want to continue to see that in every person every person that calls himself a believer today. We ask for your help, and it's all for your namesake and for your glory, and it's in Jesus' name that I ask this. Amen.